Mother's Day is such a tricky holiday uh, because you have such a bond to your mom and you're supposed to have such a bond to your mom, but sometimes you don't. And sometimes Mother's Day is painful. Sometimes you don't have a bond to your mother because you're, she has passed away or you're estranged or... Maybe you've wanted to be a mother and that's kind of, and you're not, and that's all consuming right now and that's understandable. And so Mother's Day can be such, such, a, such an odd, like such a perplexing mix of, of feelings because you can feel in one sense this passion for your own mother and another, this passion for your children or a sadness for the loss of your mother and a sadness for the loss of children. I mean, it can, it can just be this cyclical pattern, and it can be tough. And then you come to church, and sometimes all we talk about, and forgive us, is how wonderful it is to have a mother. And maybe you don't, and maybe you didn't. And uh, I, I want to, you, you are on our hearts today. Um, those of you who have, um, who, who are hurting today, those of you who are celebrating and nothing but joy happens today, we are, we are celebrating and rejoicing with you, but we are hurting with those of you who are hurting today as well. I, it, it is just, again, a tricky thing because mothering is, uh, such an odd experience because, Everyone has one, but not everyone is one. It's, it's the only thing you just, you have to be here. You have to have one. Like, forgive me for bringing up science in a church, but you gotta got one, right? You, you have, so you all have a mom and you're just in, you're instinctively, you Built into your DNA, you are connected to a person way more than your dad. Your dad, it's 50-50, but your dad sort of just stood in the room. <laughs> and had, what, if that, maybe the dad was in the, in the uh, foyer reading a golf magazine or something. Like, look at that gun, you know? And... Those guns are in golf magazines. I switched magazines on you. Keep up. <laughs> but the, maybe he was just out there. I didn't. The room was really cold when when our kids were born. That's what I remember being the hardest thing about that day. It's really cold in here. But mothers, mothers have worked hard, and it's it's it's, it's such a deep. Connection and any time that that's severed or any time that that's strengthened, it's really hurt or it's really joyful. And so we feel things uh, more deeply when we feel them with our mother. You can be more frustrated with your mom than you can be with just about anybody. Right, 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 Brayden? <laughs> what? So there, there is, so, but we're, we have this deep connection with each other, where, and the deep connection is a giving up of your life for new life. 
that's why we're connected. Is that Bill Cosby said it, having a child is like watching your heart jump out of your chest and then run around. You, you, you are connected on such a deep level that you, your life is their life. And their life is your life. And you can feel that with your children. You can feel that with your parents. In the healthiest of places, that's what it's like. And so, people will say, I would like to have a child one day. But they don't say, I would like to give up 18 to 25 years of, now it's like 30, years of my life <laughs> and not do what I want to do ever. Ever. It's so funny. I, these, uh, I, have, I have a lot of younger friends. I, roll, I run in that crowd sometimes and they'll say, have you seen this new movie? No, I haven't seen <laughs> Why would I do that? You, you have a child and then it, you give up your life for this kid. Don't have, you don't have it anymore. You don't have a life anymore. Now you can kind of piece it together and feel some semblance and like celebrate the small things. Just like going to dinner one night without a kid? Yay! <laughs> we just got up and walked in and ate and then walked out. And it wasn't $120. It was just $20. And we enjoyed it. So you give up something of yourself for, for parenting, for motherhood, for all these all these different connections we have in our lives, you just you, you got to give up yourself. And that's true in marriage. It's mostly true in Christianity. And Christianity is the one thing, following Jesus, is the one thing where we're not held accountable right now if we don't. You're married and you don't give up of yourself. You don't give up your own life. Your marriage suffers. Immediately. If you have a kid and you don't give up your, of yourself, your, your child will suffer. They'll turn into one of those Walmart kids. I was one of those Walmart kids. We used to, we used to run back when the big poles were round. We used to run and see how high we could jump up on those things and latch onto them. <laughs> So my mom would just come around the corner and just leave. <laughs> We're just sprinting through Walmart, jumping. We were pretty good at it. But, you know, if you don't give up of yourself, things suffer. Now, I would argue that not giving up yourself in your Christian life, there are things that suffer, but because we're so used to the melancholy, dull existence we call life. We don't think anything's suffering. But until you have given up of yourself, until you have given up your life to follow Jesus, you won't actually experience true joy 
and you won't actually be able to experience the things that you could have otherwise. Uh, Jesus was teaching his disciples one day, and he asked them, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, there's a little C there, I forgot to take that footnote out, will not overcome it. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples, it's crazy. He ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Why? Well, because, remember we talked about the Messianic vision for that day. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The Messianic vision for that day was a, was a, a king, a, a, a ruler of sorts. And so he was going to be a sword in hand, military. He was going to overthrow the government. They were going to get their land back. Get your land back was the Messiah's role in a lot of people's minds. So if someone sent out the Messiah, uh, sent out word that Jesus is the Messiah, he's going to have people showing up at his door demanding things of him he's not ready to give. And this comes up in the next, in the very next scripture. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Why is Peter saying this? Because Jesus is the Messiah. Why would he die now? This doesn't make sense. No, you're not going to die. And so Jesus turned to him and earlier he said, hey, good answer. Everything that was going to be bound in heaven will be bound on earth. And everything you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You are the one on whom the church will be built. Actually, your confession will be the one on whom the church will be built. And now he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. I bet that feels a little hard to take. When just, I mean, you're riding pretty high, because Peter remembers just three verses ago, he was told that, that he, he's a pretty big deal for getting the answer right. And now he's being called Satan. Interesting note here, the Greek for Satan is Satan. There. <laughs> just Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. To me, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now, we 
have a tendency to make this little verse little. We talk about our crosses to bear like they're burdens, like they're worries, like they're troubles. My cross to bear is my, my, my daughter won't quit spending money on the credit card. Not, not my actual children. We don't give them credit cards. Or maybe, maybe your neighbor does, throws all their grass onto your driveway when they're mowing or whatever. And sometimes we'll take these little tiny burdens like, well, you know, I'm going to be patient. It's my cross to bear. Crosses? You don't carry crosses. Actually, Jesus didn't actually carry a cross. He probably carried just the, the, the long way beam, the patibulum is what it was called. And then once they got him to the cross, they lifted him up on the patibulum and connected it. He didn't carry a big old honking cross just through the streets. He carried a very heavy piece of wood. But the cross to bear is not something to carry around with you. When Jesus says, if you want to follow me, he says, you must die like I die. If you want to follow Jesus, you can't be the ruler of you anymore. You can't be the one who determines what's best for you. Jesus determines what's best for you. Just like God determines what's best for Jesus. And that Jesus' life ends with him giving his life so that he can live truly and forever. That he can be resurrected. And he saw that Clearly, And sometimes we hold on to our life because we think our life is worth holding on to. We want to get our way because we think our way is the only thing worth getting. And right now, if you're thinking about someone who really wrestles with this that's not named you, Satan's working on you in the pew. Because you are not called to give up other people's life to follow Jesus. You're not called to sort of make sure everyone else is doing the right thing as we follow Jesus. We are called to give up our own self. What do you need? The answer to that is Jesus. Now, a lot of times the answer to that in our own head is a new truck. Guys, if today is a huge change and shift for you in the way you treat your spouse, get your act together on the rest of the days. Men can be lazy. Don't, when you come home, don't sit down until she sits down. Because she's been up and walking around all day too. She's been doing stuff too. Unless she tells you go sit down and make you a sandwich. That's so sweet. Do that. Obey. But for the most part, guys, we are... 
we are, we're not that great giving up what we want. And it, and it, and it shows itself in all sorts of ways. It shows, how we, it shows itself in, our, in how we parent. It shows itself in how we, are, uh, how, how we are married, how we interact with each other, how we interact with other people who need us. But we are called to go against this instinct we call selfishness. And that's giving up our life for the life of the, the, the full community. Giving up of your own self for, for following of Jesus. This isn't just a little aspect of your life. Like this little, little part of your life right there. Then I, I'm devoting that part of my life to it. I'll be honest with you. We're struggling to find teachers right now. Right? We're struggling. What's keeping us from doing that? It's an hour of your Sunday morning. You're like, well, I've got to get up earlier. Get up earlier. We, we are called to give up of ourselves, And the more ways that we can give up of ourselves, the better off we're going to be. Notice I'm not saying the better off you will be eventually in the kingdom of God. No, there is not a sliding scale of salvation. Teaching Bible class won't make you more saved. Not teaching Bible class will not condemn you a little. But it is in the giving of ourselves, it's in the giving of our life for Christ that we will actually find true joy. You don't find new life without giving up the old life. You don't find resurrection without the cross. And all Christians need to carry their cross and give up their life so that they can receive new life. It's, let me tell you, it's harder that way. It's harder to give up your old life for your new life. It's harder, but it's better. It's way, it's way better. The old way of living is so self-absorbed that you can that anybody who crosses the self is is your enemy. And all of a sudden, you got all these enemies. People who cut you off in traffic or people who are who are walking. Have you ever been walking in the same direction at a store and you just thought this jerk's not going to move? <laughs> Which jerk's not going to move? <laughs> that but we we create all these enemies, but life could be this Brilliant, wonderful, joyful thing where you just create all these neighbors. Look at all these look at all these neighbors I found at this store. Look at all these people I can love. There's a, you can actually live that way. God calls us to live where we see the world like the world is Jesus, not like I am God. You remember, you remember at the final. The image Jesus gives of the final day of judgment. He splits the sheep and the goats. calls them goats. The sheep, he says to the sheep, hey, 
you can enter into the kingdom of heaven because uh, you have, uh, when you saw people who were hungry, you fed them, thirsty, gave them something to drink. In prison, you, uh, you visited them. When they were sick, you visited them. You, they were homeless, you gave them. You, all these things you did, you did, you did, you did. You did all these things. They said, when do we do these things? Which is a dumb question. Don't, like, contradict Jesus. They said, if you let me in, just say, yes, sir, and go on in. Jesus was making a point, so these people aren't real. He said, he, they said, when did we do these things? And when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. And so the Christian life is about seeing the world as if everyone around you is a representative of Jesus, is a representative of God, is a creation made in the image of God. And so I see them and I love them right where, they're sit, where they sit, just like I see them, like God sees me and loves me right where I sit. It's a hard thing to do, but it's way, there's, it's way more fun. There's such an animosity in selfishness. Constantly having to protect your own opinions and your own ideas and your own way of doing things. It's, it's not worth your time because your ways of doing things aren't that great to begin with. But giving up your life for others is just this fantastic, brilliant wonderful thing that you get to do. Jesus is inviting you to do it. This isn't like, oh my goodness. Jesus is inviting you to, not just to crucifixion, but to resurrection. And that that journey may be painful, but the end result is better than where you started. And so it's just like when you, when you have a child. I remember when we had Clara. Uh, and you put them, they, you spend the first 24 hours in the hospital. And there's people coming in and doing things and um, taking blood from your kid, which is weird, like an odd thing. The lady who came, they take it from their foot. They come in and prick their, the lady who came in, she rolled her cart in uh, and she said, I'm not very good at this. We'll see how it goes. Okay. There was all sorts of things that um, <laughs> that happened in that. I mean, that feels it feels like we were in a, a hospital for a week because there's all these things that happened. We were exhausted. Uh, there was a uh, lactation consultant that came in and talked to us, and she talked about like this. She said, "I uh, we're going to talk you through some things that are for the baby and for and." I, I fell asleep while that woman was talking to me. There was just two. Some of you fall asleep while I'm talking to you, and that's fine. There's a bunch of you out there. But there was just two of us, and half of the audience fell asleep. But you're being taken care of in the hospital, and then they put you, they take you down, and they, they wheel you out to your car, and they put you in the baby in the car seat and you go home with the kid and all of a sudden you're in charge. I was barely an adult before this happened and now I'm in charge of making sure this one becomes a good adult. And it's scary because I don't, all of a sudden my life, what I want, doesn't matter. But it, here's the painful part of it is it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have beforehand. I should have taken up my cross long ago. Because my life should have been given 
to Jesus long ago. My selfishness should have been given to Jesus long ago. That part of me should have died so that it can become new. Paul talks about it in Ephesians 4, about taking off the old self and putting on the new self. And he uses the imagery of clothing. Like it's some, you take off the old mess and put on the new beautiful thing you have to wear. I promise you it's hard. The cross is not a good experience. It's not something that should be uplifted or celebrated on a regular basis, but it is a, it is a, because it is a difficult, painful thing. But the resurrection found thereafter, the new life you find after giving up the old life, that it's worth the death. Jesus says, all who are wanting to keep their life will lose it, and all who are willing to lose it will gain in this topsy-turvy kingdom of God, we are called to give up something so that we can return, get something in return. We'll find something better on the other side. But it's, it'll be difficult for a while. It's hard, but it's worth it. If you're willing to take up your You're willing to enter into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through baptism. Or if you've never, if you've never given the new life, the look, like maybe you gave your life to Jesus, but you haven't actually taken up your cross. You haven't decided that today's the day I'm going to do the things that are difficult for me to do so that I can glorify God. Change my world from enemies to neighbors and change my life from selfishness to full life to a full life lived. That's the absolute most important way thing we, we've got to do this morning. Yes, I'm sure some of you have ham in the oven. Is today a ham holiday? I can't remember. There's a lot in Arkansas. Some of you may have a ham or a brisket. You've got to get to, but some of you need the church to stick around while you commit yourself to new life, to crucifying the old life and resurrecting for a new life. We are here for you. We are not in a hurry. But we want you to dedicate your life to Jesus this morning, whether for the first time or for the second time or the fifth time, whatever you need this morning. Please come forward while we stand and sing. Just as I